Hey, this is Bob and the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life, get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That's what we do, even when we uh, do this at 9.30 at night. We're not dying at 9.30 at night or 7 o'clock at night. It's a late edition. A late edition of Don't Die because I had to go to the Dodge. Do you remember when we used to go out at like midnight? (laughs) Oh yeah, like you wouldn't even you wouldn't even get out of the house until. That's because you didn't wake up till two o'clock the next day. Yeah, just like now it's nine thirty. We're doing a podcast at nine thirty at night. Oh my god, I'm not going to sleep till eleven o'clock. My bedtime. But but I got a lot to talk about, you guys. Oh good. it's a thing called wow. old media, new media. Podcast, podcasts are new media. Mm. Do you know there are people, and I haven't met them, but I, I, you know, I'm acquaintance to their people. There are people not like not like Rogan or Marin or any of those types of people. There are people you never heard of who make eight million dollars a year with their podcast. <laughs> What? We are doing something incredibly wrong, you guys. Something is <laughs> terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, Bob, show me a podcast that talks about addiction that makes $8 million. No, but uh, maybe we should, we're branching out. We're branching out. No, but it's, it's, it's astonishing. So we're going to see a flip like we saw in the music business years ago where, where, YouTubers and people with podcasts are actually more popular or more famous, make more money than people who have television shows on A&E. And that's what happened with the, when punk rock and alternative music kind of came in and just swept away the old. And there was this new thing I'm telling you, but, uh, I've been listening to, well, also, they don't just podcast, they YouTube their, they live stream their podcast. So maybe we should get into that. Yeah. But hey, I don't think uh, anyone, uh, hey, nobody wants to look at the three of us, though, no, really. No, that's not the selling point. We'd have to get light. We could get AI younger versions of ourselves to be the uh, podcast. And then it would be our voices talking. I'm telling you, that would work. Yeah. AI is a big part of the but future, But I wasn't too. even good looking when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> I would need, like, I would, like, have to pull one of my kids. I'd pull Tristan into it. <laughs> Use his face. Yeah, but we could teach him how to be uh, mean and ugly and grumpy. And stuff. <laughs> That's just bitterness. <laughs> mean and grumpy is in. Let's face it. Mean and grumpy is like, that's very mainstream popular. Hey, Bob, before you get off of this, um, Saturday, by the way, Saturday, you know, I told you I got some work coming up. Saturday, I'm doing the theater, the, the Terrace Theater, 2,500 the people. And it's a podcast, a live podcast. I know. This is something. <laughs> I'm telling you, What's I up? cannot believe this. I've been podcasting since before they didn't have a name for it. Me and Nate the Man had an interweb show, internet show, Inter- is what it was called back then. Oh, my God, look at you guys. There's a frog on my TV screen. Can you see this guy oh, right yeah, here? Yeah, look at him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, what's he doing in your house? 
We have a creek right here that runs through the front yard. Oh, I, wrote grab song, I wrote a song about it. Grab him and take him outside. Nah, just let him go. The oh, cats will get it. The, cat, the cats love that sort of thing. Oh, you know yeah, it's so weird? That'll be mean. I know it'll make people sad, Chuck. <laughs> the, the cats eat kittens, little kittens. You know eat, what's sad? eat frogs. You know what's sad, Bob, is as as the world has gotten meaner and like everybody's gotten like this sort of punk rock kind of fuck you attitude. It's I've just made me want to be nicer because it's everywhere. It's yeah, boring. But you still got you can still got to let nature take its course. I mean, the frog got in her somehow, so he's going to have to figure out how to get himself out. Yeah, but... but oh, you know, he, he came in through the air conditioner unit in the window, I'm sure. He'll find his way out, or the cats will find him. So, uh, <laughs> is there is are, are frogs a part of ASPCA? And, like, can I get in trouble if I just let frogs mm, and yeah, nature just, take its dude, course? Dude, nah, no, but this, it. is, this is funny. <laughs> I saw, I saw a thing the other day. I'm sorry, but it was, it was this thing where it says, PETA said, you know, cows are friends. We don't eat our friends. And this guy said, name one cow that you know by name. And <laughs> PETA said, your mom. Oh, <laughs> wow. Like, wow. Even PETA. PETA is mean. They're <laughs> mean, too. When does that happen? Has... Anyways, I had a lovely time with the Dodger game with Elvis. You know, nice. the... the there was some people sitting behind us with Detroit Tigers jerseys on. I spoke up, uh, struck up a conversation with them. They're not from Detroit. They're from New Mexico. Hmm. And they came there because they love the Detroit Tigers. And, and so I, I really liked them. They were very friendly. You could tell they weren't from California because they were friendly, Chuck. <laughs> so we were talking. Yeah. And I said, how the hell do you end up? Tigers fans. And she, and she said, well, we don't have any teams in New Mexico, so we just always kind of pick teams from different parts, you know, of the U.S. and football. They don't have New Mexico. It's a great state, actually. Doesn't I, have I've a football team, doesn't have a basketball uh, team, doesn't have a baseball team, doesn't have a hockey team. You'd think they could get a hockey team there in Albuquerque, don't you think, Mike? Uh, <laughs> like, something. <laughs> they have no I don't sports know. teams. <laughs> All I know so, about Albuquerque so is you're supposed to make I, a left there. <laughs> but this is what I'm telling you. I'm so curious, you know, about other people's lives. And there is no curiosity in the world. Everybody just goes by the internet and they know everything. I'm just always curious. And I never knew. I'm 62 years old. I never knew. There's like, and she said, there's like 20 states that don't have any sports teams. And I was oh. like, it never dawned on me. Like, they right. have college teams, but they don't have professional teams. So... So all those states just kind of get to free flow pick who they like, right? Oh, pe yeah. People kind of do that anyhow, don't they? Mm, they're pretty loyal. I'm a pretty loyal Dodger fan. I hate the Angels, by the way. I can't. I can't. Okay. Uh, it's a corporation. I don't know how you hate a corporation unless they kill people. Well, I think that they're a corporation that that their audience likes to act like they live in Los Angeles, but they don't want the troubles and problems of Los Angeles. So I think it, so no, I seriously, I've had this problem with the angels when they were the California angels. That's fucking fine. They represent all of us. We all love the angels. When they became the Los Angeles angels, when Marino bought them, cause he wanted to sell more hats or something. I was like, no, no, no. Well, they did become the Anaheim angels, right? When Disney bought them. 
Then Marino buys them and he changes them to the Los Angeles Angels because he wants to be associated with Los Angeles and sell more merch, right? But it's all Orange County bros going there. Why aren't they the Orange County Angels? You think the bros chose to do the name change? <laughs> I think the bros <laughs> like to act no, like the, I no, think they like to act all. like they're from LA. They do. No, no, no. Because the same way the people I know that are Angels fans, they think the same way about the Dodgers. And I go, why? It's a corporation. The team players change all the time. You might even have a Dodger on your team next year. Well, then we'll like him. I, no, I, that's I don't a know. flea. I, I, I do that with flea that. all the time. Flea will hate a basketball player, you know, like Chris Paul or something. And then I always say, if he, if he got traded to the Lakers, you'd love me. He goes, of course I would. Of course I would. Because he'd be a Laker. <laughs> of course <Right>. I would. Because <laughs> then he would be a Laker. Right. Like that, that is kind of sports. Sports is nutty. You got to admit it. It's like grown yeah. grown people acting like children. But it was fun, just me and Elvis. No one else wanted to go. No no reason to have four tickets, I'll tell you that. That's four ticket didn't thing they, is over. Didn't they just lose a pitcher or something? I heard there was like yeah, a big oh, yeah. there was a was big a second, second time he's beaten his wife, this guy Urias. That's she probably why that. they won't win the World Series, too, because he's the second best pitcher. And they had another guy. Trevor, whatever his name was last season, that was a wife beater, spousal, whatever, domestic violence. They, the Dodgers need to do better at like screening their draft picks or screening their trades. How many guys trades. on the team, though? How many guys 20, on the whole team? 25, 25. That's it? And they had two. 25? Yeah, 25 people and two guys go to jail for spousal abuse. Mm, like, come on. That's, that's kind of bad. I thought they were HR like department. <laughs> No, that's football. HR department really needs to do a little bit better job there with the Dodgers. But anyways, it was fun. Met these nice people from New Mexico. It's so weird, though. Yeah, the world is mean, but then there's these nice people sprinkled am am amongst it. Like me. Yeah, I think. The, yeah, see? So it's like, I mean, every time I go anywhere, unfortunately, I have that same thing you do, Bob. I want to talk to the people around me. It, it helps with my anxiety. Like if I get to know them a little bit, so it's a different reason, but I get to learn a lot, but a lot of different people. It makes, it makes Amy crazy. Cause she would just, she would be happy. She goes, just stop talking to everybody. But I just like it. It's the things I learn, and they're not people I'll ever but see I, again. But so I learned, I, I always, I was born and raised in LA. So I had the Rams, I had the Lakers, I had the Dodgers my whole life. I don't know what it's you like had the to Raiders for up. a minute. Yeah, I I only went to one game. It was scary as fuck, to be honest with you. That was scary. <laughs> those were scary, Mike. Those were scary times in LA. The eighties Raiders games. Yeah. Like you felt like this is lawlessness. This is what lawlessness feels it's like. Some Mad Max shit going on. It's <laughs> <was> fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, just I felt it, like <laughs> I, I I I don't know. I sat towards the one end zone. And uh, um, people were sitting in our seats, and I, I, it was just scary as fuck. I didn't want. I, and the girl I went with, she was gonna, she was standing there above them, like telling. I said, "No, no, no, let's just go." And so we just went further. <laughs> we just went. We just went further into the end zone where there was no people. 
Because I just <laughs> didn't want to tell these guys that they're sitting in our seats. I thought it was a bad move. I thought it might be a terrible move. You'd be Jack. right in the middle of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was, yeah, the Raiders in L.A. How long were they in L.A. for? Like five years, seven years? They did win a, a Super Bowl when they were in L.A. I don't know. I just, I just remember, I, I just remember thinking that when they went to didn't they go to san diego and then to vegas or they went all over no no they went to, they went back to oakland then they went to oh, vegas yeah yeah i see so it's like i was thinking how could people from oakland be happy about them coming back it's like it's like someone leaves you leaves your marriage and then comes back and you're supposed to say oh hey this is fantastic but this is the, the way of sports it's like if you get straight to your team you'll love them right and this uh so anyways, I am a sports person. I don't know why. I, well, my dad was a sports person, so then it just translates. You know, when you get started, take, I was taken to baseball games when I was like five years old. So I take I my mean, kids to baseball games. They go yeah. like Elijah, of all things. I don't like football. I don't. I hope that doesn't alienate part of our, 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 our don't I podcast. I want to make $8 million, but I don't like football. I think it's, uh, I think it's, too much brute force really baseball is a chess game like elvis is finally starting to catch on like throw pitches away and and whatever and and just like it's a chess game between the pitcher and the and the hitter anyways um and basketball is just the most graceful sport in the world it's like ballet to yeah, me yeah but it's like solo guy you know i mean like look at michael jordan he can win the whole he can be the whole team Football is a team sport with plays that make sense. I had a manager one time that just always used, and he was a, kind of a famous manager too. He uh, always used football euphemisms, you know. Was Elliot Roberts your manager? No, um, no, from uh, uh, San Francisco, from Billy Graham. No, oh. but um, Morty. But but uh, Elliot Roberts was Neil Young's manager his whole career, and it's just like. They don't make managers like that anymore. I thought that's who you were talking about. He was a great, great man. I got to know him in the, towards the end of his life. Um, he was just amazing. He was towards the end of his life, and I went over to his house one time, and he was like, asked me to help him move this fridge across the garage, and he had all he was moving boxes in his garage, and I knew it wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to see Christmas, as they say, and I was like sure this is what you want to be doing he goes yeah i just want to get everything organized <laughs> like even even mm. in your last even in your end days chuck like it's that like george carlin skit you just want to get your stuff all organized <laughs> you, <just> wanna, like, <laughs> you know what i mean it's just like yeah. the stuff thing the stuff thing would never end i i told sid because she we went to hollywood on what was it saturday night we went to hollywood boulevard on saturday night that was pretty, pretty exciting for the Forest Clan. It is fun. I, I, I just too, and uh, and then Sid, of course, wants to live in Hollywood or move to LA or whatever. And I said, Sid, we're driving home from school this afternoon, and and she was like, Are you? Have you thought about it or whatever? Like, are you gonna? Are we gonna move back to LA? And I was like, Well, Sid, imagine what it would take to move out of our house. It would take like a year, really. There's so much <laughs> shit in this house. I've lived here yeah. for seven and a half years. There's just too much shit. Do you know there's two pianos here? I know. I know. Like, 
how, how yeah, many houses once, need two pianos? <laughs> like, but once <laughs> once the big money rolls in, you'll just pay oh, somebody no to money. back it and move it. The big no, the, big the eight money. million dollars. Oh, that kind. Of, if that rolled in, I could. Oh yeah, but but right. Here's the thing. Like big money rolled in. I I make money like I never thought possible. And you, I'm always broke. Like you just you have five kid, you have five people. Like you're always broke. Yeah. Like you know what I mean. Whether when I was working at Millie's, it was me, Max, and Elijah. We were always broke. Max made more money than me. Then when I worked for Dr. Drew, it was just me for a while. I was always broke. And not like, you know, you live in a, because whatever amount of money you make, you have the house that you're supposed to live in that makes you broke. Right. Well, so, no, you need 10% more than what you make. That's, that's that makes a lot of sense. You need 10% more than what you make at any given time. So, it's American. so when, here's the thing. So when I had gotten the divorce and, and I just had Elvis like three days a week, I had a, place in pioneer town for a thousand a month and i lived for free in the sober living i had the little one bedroom apartment i think you guys have yeah well chuck you were there your kid was there for months and months <laughs> so i had that little apartment was free in la and a thousand dollars a month for a beautiful three-bedroom house in pioneer town right i and i made the amount of money that made me broke living like that <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and now i have a house with a guest house and two pianos and i make good money and i'm broke so i just think it wherever you would go i don't know maybe eight million a year you wouldn't be broke maybe but I figure there's some big no, house you got to live in. There's some you, big house you got to live in. You got to fly you, private. You got to fly private. You can't fly with the public, Chuck, if you make $8 million a year. Come uh, on. Oh, no, well, yeah. if we made Gross. eight, we'd each make $2.75 million. Right away, we're all broke. All three. One of us has to go. So that the, <laughs> the other two. Right. So, that the other, so that the other two can be rich. One of us or, has to go because eight million is not enough for three guys. It's not or, the, or, or we, the person I'm talking about is one person makes eight million dollars. <laughs> we're three, so right away we're going to be broke. Even if we made eight million dollars, Chuck, I promise you we'd be broke. I don't know. I think I'd stay right in this house. I think I'd pay it off. You should have seen this setup. Did you ever go to Mike's compound in Signal Hill? Yes. It was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. We fucking gave that up to go rent an expensive place in fucking Long Beach. We always will live beyond our means. Um, um, Americans in general. Only 5% of Americans have uh, a savings account. Did you know that? Mm. that that's no, not enough. Know. No way. 5%. Wow. One in so 20. So we know it. We know it's the one percent, and then there's four. There's four percent of the people trying to be like the one percenters. The rest of us are living paycheck to paycheck. Well, yeah, um, you know that's that's also the design. It's funny though because we've got so many people coming here from Oklahoma lately, and uh, at first they like, they go, "Dude, I want to stay here," and then they look at what it costs to rent a room. 
What about what um, gas costs? I talked with the New, New Mexico people today. They were like, you know, gas is $3 and 50 cents a gallon in New Mexico. And I said, yeah, we like to pay double because we're California. We just like to you pay say, double. Yeah but, you, yeah, but you have to fly to see a game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did say, why are you not the Diamondbacks fans or uh, Houston's Houston's closer. The Houston Astros won the World Series last year, I think, or the year before. They should, they're only like 300 miles away from Houston or 400 miles. I don't know how far it is from Santa Fe, New Mexico to Houston, but it's got to be closer than LA. What what are, what are all the gas taxes supposed to be alleviating that they're not? Helping us um, have clean air, helping our schools. Every every tax in California for the last 50 years is always going to help the schools. You ever notice how shitty our schools are? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the, I do. The and how much money we got to come up with. Yeah. The lottery was going to help our schools. The taxes on gas, the tax on property. The, it was always going to help the schools. And the schools get shittier and shittier and shittier. Except for the School of Arts and Enterprise in Pomona, California, uh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> we had to get so, that in there. <laughs> you're not going to believe it. Today, they had twin. They just do cool shit, dude. It's like we're running a school. It's like literally Bob Forrest and Mike Martin in 1988 are running a school. Well, so that today, was, that Elvis, be good. <laughs> well, it, well, well, <laughs> The fun part yeah. of us, not the drug part of us. <laughs> the imaginative, creative, artistic side of us, not the heroin addict side. So today was a twin day. So you're with your best friend, like Elvis did with his kid, Nate. They dressed exactly alike. So they went and got Snoop Dogg's sweatshirts from Walmart that match. You know that Snoop Dogg, he's a designer now. He has his own line of clothing. And it's at Walmart. What a fucking <laughs> genius that guy is. I know. And he the, has not run out of ideas, has he? He's, he's found a way to make money everywhere. Yeah, but think about it. It was the the sweat sweater, they're just sweatshirts, zip up sweatshirts. They're really cool looking. They cost thirty five thirty five dollars or whatever, right? If you sell a million of them, that's thirty five million dollars. If you make them five hundred dollars, like a friend of mine's clothing line, um, and you sell a hundred of them, you make fifty thousand dollars. I think Snoop Dogg <laughs> knows how to sell sweatshirts. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, but he's not making eight million off of them. Not like the podcast guy. Man. So, 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 get this. So, yesterday was um, was uh, or today was Twins Day, and we had to buy the clothes last night. Now, look what tomorrow is. Dress as your parents' day, and look what Elvis has in store for the uh, arts. And uh, are you ready? Yeah, Dude, he looks exactly like me. I'm sending it to you guys. Where is it? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> look at that. He's got my guy. I wear a kiss shirt for you. Oh, Chuck. that's great, dude. Look at that. You got to post <laughs> that on the, on the interweb. Oh, <laughs> he's, dressing as, he's dressing as his dad tomorrow for school. How cool yeah. is the arts and enterprise school? Yeah, that's great. Cool. So and I said, what is, why do they do it, Elvis? And he's like, well, if your classroom wins, you get a point, And then whoever has most points gets to have a party at the end of the year. Just cool shit like that. So fun participation, bringing so them fun. in, That's allowing great. them to be creative. How how fun! 
how fun yeah, for kids I, to get to, to dress up as their parents too because it, that's just cool it's cool right like I, yeah you know, and and i you know and most of the teachers are you know i would say young on the younger side they're all 40 and under they're just it's just such a fun place such a, i don't i oh i forgot i don't get to go there anymore i have to pull around the corner park you know park right. way down You're the right. street yeah. uh, <laughs> i don't get to pull in the front anymore first week i did and I must have embarrassed them. They're going to be like, hey, who's your dad? Carrot Top? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, 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 he's got he's got the oversized dress shirt, T-shirt underneath. He's got the neutral colored pants. The thing is, they're not really baggy. You like bigger, bigger yeah, pants, like the big but baggies. he's got you pretty pegged. He's, he wouldn't wear pants like that. Coach yeah, you, you got to have the tight pants. So... It was, it's been good around here. It's still like, you know, still the, the residue of what happened. You know, what, let's talk about forgiveness for a second. You know how you can say you forgive somebody and then you get angry over little things? That's not forgiveness. Yeah, I true. think I was at an AA meeting last night, gentlemen, giving my what? son Elijah. Elijah out in Burbank. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. And, uh, Very cool. And the guy was talking about forgiveness, and I was just, and uh, I, I don't know. It's so weird how we lie to ourselves, right? Because I like funny. to think of myself as a forgiving person, but then I see my actions are not very forgiving. Like, if you're forgiving, then that means that something that happens post the forgiveness shouldn't be tied to the thing that that person did. And with me, it almost always is. <laughs> now, let me oh, okay. get this straight, Bob. You go to a meeting randomly, right? And this guy just starts talking about forgiving and being forgiven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does it? That's a, That's amazing. I think that's amazing when shit comes up like that. You know, and all these stuff you won't, you need to hear. You just all of a sudden you hear it for no reason. It's crazy. And I noticed that I'm very angry the last few months. Just just like low grade anger yeah. and it comes from not saying you chuck you're the expert here i trust you not that <laughs> i don't trust mike but you know mike has his own biker way of doing the aa and you're more no, mainstream really. so forgiveness if you're not ready to forgive what are you supposed to do because you always our society is taught you're a bad person if you don't forgive right so we always say we forgive but do we forgive because well, I think I, I think I got some processing to do about this forgiveness stuff. Right. Well, it has to be. It is it, because it's one hundred percent for us. It's not for the person, right? For the relationship, for homeostasis to happen in that relationship, the person has to regain trust for the relationship to normalize. So it's like if someone forgives me. It's, it's my burden then to rebuild the trust because I'm the one that breached the trust that caused the rift to begin with, right? So when I forgive somebody, I don't even have to tell somebody I've forgiven them. It's something I do so that I don't carry, you know, it's like- there, But I'm there saying, was the but injury. then when they do something that you don't think is rebuilding trust, then what do you do? What's your reaction to that? Right. Well, that's, that's, isn't that up to the person that's in the situation? I mean, yours is close quarters, right? So there's right. not a lot you can do. If it's not close quarters, there's other things you can do. But when it's close quarters, I mean, see, in, 
in uh I get here's how I'll be honest No, I'll be honest with you. I have prayed like a motherfucker. I I I pray about it. It doesn't do anything, Chuck. Come on, it's just an illusion. But it's, uh, but it's a but, good it's a good but the willingness to pray the willingness to pray as an atheist right. is something that confuses my non AA atheist friends. It really does. Mm. It makes perfect sense to me. I learned it a long time ago, but um, and it did work over the long haul. But it's it's not like immediate quid pro quo like. You pray and then you, oh, your heart is new again, all that kind of evangelical stuff. But I'll tell you this when you, I know that I haven't forgiven because I get angry over the littlest thing, right? Oh, that, okay, I think but, is, that I think is not regaining trust or whatever, right? But where, where's the, what's the, what's the base feeling behind the anger? It's fear of things returning to the way they were. Well, no, it's even more complicated. And I think, I think people, especially in our world, we think we talk about shit. And I, I think we talk about stuff, maybe a one layer deep, but we act like we talk about it 10 layers deep. And I'll give you the example okay. is, is, um, a lot of my friends have been giving me advice through this whole thing, right? Because it's an addiction issue, right? So what I should do. Wag, I saw last night. What a great guy Wag is. What a oh, loving, yeah. what a fucking he's, amazing he's a good guy. guy. He was so neutral and just concerned about my well-being, her well-being, everything. Like, he's just such a... And he was not that. When I when he was in Thelonious Monster, he was not that. He was just such a breath of fresh air to talk to because everyone has an opinion about what I'm going through, right? Because most of my friends mm -hmm. are sober. Yeah. You should do this. You should do that. Well, you got to oh, do this. So you got to hope for that. Well, I mean, I think addiction makes people really uncomfortable and think they have to have a solution. I don't think there is a solution. There's, there's a, I don't, I don't know. If you look at how I got sober, right? Because I was thinking about it because I, um, Elijah had gotten sober and then he smoked pot and I thought he was sober. So we try not to talk about that, but he has two years now, right? Should, should, okay. he should have about three years. <laughs> okay. But you know, that marijuana, that marijuana. Oh my God, that <laughs> marijuana. But, um, you know that my original sponsor, when I got sober, admitted to me that he was a, a year less sober, that he smoked pot his first year, but he had been getting, cakes for <laughs> that time <laughs> and by this time we were like way down the road i was like four years sober he was 10 but he was actually nine there was like a big dilemma what to do. I was like, feel crummy yeah. to hold it. who cares if someone took a year like, yeah, from me I'd be like, eh. well no my solution was really good nobody what? cares <laughs> nobody's paying attention i've told everyone this everyone in aa is so self-obsessed they're just worried about what they're thinking and what they're saying so I said, if you take if you take a nine year this third and gardener where we used to take cakes, right? It's no longer there. But Mike, you'd love this. So when he supposedly had ten, but he had nine, I said, next birthday, just take a nine year cake, and then you're then you're flush. No one will know. <laughs> no, no one in AA is keeping track. No one's gonna walk up and go, hey, wait a minute, stop the meeting. 
Stop it. <laughs> Wait a second. This He's guy right here took a 10-year cake last year. <laughs> no shit. No shit. Nobody, People want to give me 27 nobody, this year and it's only 26. So it's I mean I could have I Nobody's keeping track. It's all in our minds. And I'll tell yeah. you a funny story. So how God rest his soul, Marty Goldberg, yeah. who his dad is all over this Wilt Chamberlain documentary. Hal Negro's dad was um Wilt Chamberlain's best friend. Oh, so wow. um yeah. Uh, Cy Goldberg, his name was. Cy Goldberg, his name is. Um, and he's all in the new Wilt Chamberlain documentary. Um, uh, what's it called? Goliath. Um, so, how I, I, I see how standing in, is after how I had 14 years and he was going in and out. And we're, I pull up and I park at, the, at uh, Tropical and I'm walking up and I see him talking to somebody and I see him see me. And I always walk towards Hal because I I really related to him more than I relate to most people. I like the fact that he was defiant and played Tesla. Played he played a what he played a video game on his phone during the meeting, and people hated that. Um, what's the thing with the snake that comes down? Tesla? Is it Tesla? No, that's a car. What's the it's video Tesla. game that the snake comes down? Uh, centipede yeah and he would play that in the amy's <laughs> on his phone legs. <laughs> and people would hate it right and so i see him and i'm like walking towards him and i see him walk away from the meeting door to sunset and cross the street and leave and i'm like oh is he mad at me the fuck and um you know two relapses later and six months later and i'm i see him and i go dude what was that thing were you mad at me at tropical and i saw you i made eye contact and i was walking towards you and he just walked away and he goes no i was freaked out i thought i was high right then and i thought <laughs> how many days did i tell bob i had last time i saw him and uh. so that it lines up how many days it's been since so he, in his mind this is what we do what alcoholics do mm -hmm. in his mind he thinks he told me four days ago that he had 13 days so he's trying to remember how many <laughs> days he has to have right <laughs> i think it's rude that we ask people how many days they have i kind of stopped doing it over this the event without yeah, okay. so he he didn't know and he just got scared and walked and left and didn't go to the meeting because he didn't because i was gonna walk up and go hey dude how you doing how many days you got now you know i'm one of those types of people i think it's encouraging to newcomers but it's not it not. Well, you know it depends i i'd let them offer it though if you go hey hey how are you doing and he goes you know i'm not doing so great then you've got something where you can go that's okay man you're back on the horse you're here you know you're good so you never ask about days chuck you never ask about days no that's not of course i have but i mean it like you it's not been such a focal point because then people seem to uh, they offer it it's like when i know we're like when sasha isn't telling me how many days he has i know he has none yeah yeah, yeah. i don't ask you know, yeah, it's yeah. just one of the things, uh, maybe the first 10 years I was sober, it was super important because time was super important. And now well, it really, so, 
so getting back to this time thing, the point is about Wag. So Wag is this guy now that you just, I just love seeing. He called me after the, today and left a beautiful message. And he's just such a great guy to see and be a part of. And yeah. it's just, that's another good reason to move back to LA is people like that. But, um, but let me tell you about Wag 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Wait a second. So, How much so, of the eight million did he, he get? <laughs> he had the greatest. He had the greatest idea because he got sober when he was seventeen or eighteen, right? And he started noticing this thing about cakes, and so, and that people, res you know, respected or liked, you know, that you had time or whatever, and particularly girls uh, were more um, felt safer around people with time, which they shouldn't, by the way, girls. No. Um, so he, he started taking cakes for like four years, <laughs> just at random meetings because then everyone go, Oh, that, really? he was only 17. He got so already 13. <laughs> like, you just gotta love that. You gotta That's love smart that. Man. I, you know, you pick up. So this whole thing about time and all this, I've been against it for like 10 years until I heard elijah speak last night it was just so beautiful i got a little teared up I, you know it's been long haul and uh and his baby was there my grandson and his wife nice. was there his gal what you know are we gonna change the terms about wife so that's one thing like i called gene his wife because they're they're they have a child together and they live together and they're together like that's way deeper than some people i know that are married <laughs> like you know I, mean? <laughs> I, I know some people that are married that don't even sleep in the same house so yeah. we need new terms for for relationships i think i think that like you know what i mean to to make it important like well, to show the emphasis of a relationship, how deep it is. Other whatever. than life partner too, because saying life partner beater for a, a wife beater, you know, isn't isn't <laughs> comfortable. But it's so, but it's politically correct. But millennials and Gen Zers are not going to get married. So what the fuck are we going to call these things when people are really know, together? But there, but, but there does there, because I'm so tired of saying of doing notes and saying the baby's mother. Or or just significant other. It's so impersonal because I have to write about when the clients are calling home and who they're talking to. Client called his second baby's mother, and it's just it it. it <laughs> what I mean, uh, what, what's not wrong, the first what, baby mama. What's wrong because with part, what's wrong with partner? I don't get it. Partner, because yeah, partner is very generic. We're partners. So that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be generic. It's moving on, like Bob said. We need a new term, and there's we a, need new terms. Partner. We really partner. do. They're all kind of lame. Like partner I don't, means you're a partner, no matter what you're going in. You're a partner. Bonnie and Clyde is more like it. Yeah, you know what? That's another term I want to take back. Bonnie and Clyde, like uh. You know, we use that as running buddy terminology. They were what accomplices. <laughs> no, they were till the wheels fell off. Is how I saw it. <laughs> yeah. They were they were till the car was <laughs> air conditioned. <laughs> yeah. But I want I want love like that. That's what I think I got. Like till the wheels fall off. There's a Bob Dylan song called Brownsville Girl, and go all the way till the wheels fall off and burn. He says they're going to be oh. together till the wheels fall off and burn. 
That's like, a long that's, run. That's fucking love right there. I right. want that the kind kids, of love. The kids yeah. call it their ride or die, but they don't last long enough to be anything. This <laughs> one's my ride or die. This week's ride or die. I want you know, until the wheels fall off and burn. So can you put that in a in a in a clinical thing? Partners yeah, till the it, wheels fall off and burn. That's T my new title. T W F. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to initialize it for Chuck. <laughs> oh yeah, Chuck and his initials, Mike. <laughs> it's an acronym. <laughs> till the wheels. Yeah, what is it? Till the those T T W. It's it just I, I called think, a T T W. Till the wheels fall off and burn. I, I don't know if we used a, a, an a, I don't know if we acronymized the the. So it's just. W no, it's till till oh right. okay you wouldn't do till, that till wheels till fall wheels T W F O T W F O that's nice. my T Chrissy is my T W F O and it has not been easy being a T W F O <laughs> these you last know? few months but, but till the wheels fall worth off it. and burn well what, have that, you had that, have you had so um sessions with therapists and stuff oh and yeah talked oh, about God. what you what your part in it is. Well, my part in it is enabling. Well, Mike, I think we've gotten greatly into detail about that in a vague way. But obviously, <laughs> she has resentments to you towards you. Is why she, you know, she why she acted out and for enabling. That's that's a that's a that's a I don't know too far for me. No, no, no. That's what therapists will say. Chuck, verify it. That somehow the person being enabled resents the enabler. Like, that's unfair, Chuck. That's not fair. Yeah. That's not a fair and just world if that's what's going on. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know think that's all that's going on, Bob. I don't we know. know with, we know with addicts and addict behavior, there doesn't need to be a reason to, to resentment? Uh, pick up. There doesn't need to be a reason to pick oh, up and no, start I, using. And once, that. once, once that happens, the chemicals are in control. We, we, we don't have our human functioning brain on. Yeah, but it can, for, it can force you apart. It can put you in a precarious situation, you know, resentments and anger and, uh, you know, not seeing your part of it is, is a, is a big I, part. I, I see my part in it. I see my part in it. And your only, your only uh, conclusion is that you enable her. No, I, I feel there are no good solutions. Like, like this is like, <sighs> this is AA rehab physics right now. There's no good choices. What do you do to push, you know, the woman that has two children, three children by you away from you? I, like I said, I'm angry, right? Obviously. Okay. So and I've tried to own that <laughs> and try to, and I try to like, Right, first off, to admit it, yes, I'm angry and I'm frustrated. I like the word frustrated better than angry because angry is just that outburstal, outburstal expression. But the underlying feeling is frustration, powerlessness. Frustration powerlessness. and hurt because it, it destroys shit, you know, and you have a good thing and it could ruin it. I mean, that's, that's scary. Who, who yeah. wants stuff to end like that? Well, lots of people apparently, John. <laughs> half yeah. the country, half the country wants shit to end for not even this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Most marriages end because of financial problems. Like, oh my God, then every marriage is going to end, right? In right, America, yeah. 
Look, look it up. It's the main. My sponsor had a great thing to tell me about about anger, and he he said uh, anger and resentment is like drinking poison, and then just sitting there waiting for the other person to die. Right. Frustration. You know? No, but frustration centered anger is different than resent. I'm not resentful. Yeah. Not. I'm just frustrated at how I like always thinking I'm smart enough to like kind of guide things and out of these types of spots and i wasn't smart enough and yeah. so the resentment the, the only resentment would be towards myself and yeah, but it was new it was new to you how are you supposed to navigate something you've never navigated before i love that yeah by trial and error and you know hopefully you've learned and you know and there are things you're and you're a better person for it it doesn't mean you need to be thankful for well, the experience. I'm, more, I'm, more, I'm certainly more understanding of addicts. I, I see how angry people get. I'm not angry at the addict stuff. I'm angry mm -hmm. at um, the, the kind of way addict brains compartmentalize and kind of don't see what's really going on. That's That I've seen up close and personal. That's mm -hmm. that. And I know that I was like that, right? And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a thing about Elijah, right? Because it was Elijah's day yesterday. So, and my ex, his mother spared me from knowing this till I was about three years sober. So Elijah used to come over to my house. Mike probably remembers. He had a little orange like suitcase. It was like tiny, put his yeah. stuff in. Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. He has orange thing. And I was supposed to pick him up on Friday nights. They live right by Disneyland in Anaheim. And I lived in one bar ham or whatever. And I would be high and I would think like, oh, I should leave like at two to get, you know, to get past downtown and get down there by three thirty, four o'clock or something. And I would never leave at two. And then as, as things got worse and more progressive in that year and a half period of time where I really went downhill I would not even think about leaving until after traffic. So then I was going to pick him up at like seven or something. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of times Chuck, I didn't make it on Friday. I would always say, Oh, you know, I got I'm recording and I would make excuses and she was angry, but she had to deal with me and uh, Colleen, her name is great, great person. And she said, when I was about three years sober, you know, Bob, he used to look forward to Fridays and he'd get his little orange suitcase and he'd put his stuff in there and he'd sit on the front porch of my oh parents' my house God. waiting for you. For a heartbreaker. And most times you didn't show up. And right. one of us one of us would have to go out there and say, Elijah, come back inside now. That's what we do to our children. Oh my God. Right? Well, as drug addicts. So, and, so right, as, that, as drug addicts. But, but I wouldn't allow myself to know that. I just made a bunch of excuses about traffic. You know what I mean? Well, but that's also the part of the brain that's shut down when we're, you know, that's, that's what we're not capable of. That's why there's so much guilt and shame and remorse when we sober up because yes, it's us. Uh, uh, dude, there's, that, you're, now you're, now you're, you're talking about, about science, not AA. You're, no, science, you're talking, you're talking about guilt and shame. And I don't think millennials have a lot of that. But, I think they but, don't. I, have but it. I have to ask: Has Elijah forgiven you for that? Hmm, I, you know, how would he know that? That's another thing about forgiveness that was the subject last night. Like here I am, 
and here he is and all the stuff that's gone on and all the both sides and my codependency with him when he was when he needed better distinct boundaries i was incapable of doing them because i felt so guilty and ashamed of what had happened in his childhood right so i did a disservice to him as a child using i did a disservice to him as a teenager and me sober for years right this is right. the, this is this is why I don't really get along with a lot of AA people because we all say, "Oh, you're sober and it's great and whatever." No, no, no. no I should have had better boundaries. I should have better boundaries. All the way back. I should have listened more. And I don't regret it. I'm just trying to share it with other people. Like, just because you're five years sober and your your kid lives with you doesn't mean you're like stewarding the whole thing well. Give it ten or fifteen years to see what you think. That's my I'm, advice to I'm parents. Still learning how to be a parent, right? It's a hard, hard job. So, anyways, I'm saying I fucked up as, but that's a painful thing that's got to be haunting. You're sitting there waiting for your dad to come and pick you up because you get to go to Hollywood and go have fun and whatever, and he doesn't show up. That yeah, that that affects you the rest of your life. I don't care. There's no amends that fixes that. There's no fucking whatever, but. But to do what I did, which is reward him for bad behavior, or always bail him out of trouble, or always do all the things I did out of guilt and shame for doing that, that's then a second disservice that I think a lot of us AA people do to our oh, children. Oh, I'm guilt. I'm so mm. guilty of that, right? With, uh, with Tristan for sure, and a little bit with Sasha, but he just kind of—he was a different, different bird. But I absolutely, the pendulum went all the other way to where it was just like, I, I, I'm going to let him do what he wants. And I'm going to, this is what's, you know, and it's just, oh my God, that, and what a mess. But that right. was all the learning curve, just like but here's the other the thing. thing. How about this? The fact is, he's the most kind, gentle, loving guy, like Elijah like so coming from that background of never oh, having geez. married never <laughs> having married parents no never having married parents um living at his grandparents house with his mom um fucking i'm high till he's nine then he comes and lives with me and then i spoil him rotten and then it's just he and i and we're at war and he's running away and whatever and then and and then um he moves back east when he's like 18 or 19 and then comes back here and all the trials and tribulations. We have this deep, rich relationship. I don't think of it as like a father and son. I think of it as like me and Pete kind of. Elijah and I have a relationship <laughs> like me and Pete. <laughs> it's forever. It's forever. It's till the wheels fall off. And Whether burn. you want it or not. <laughs> Whether you want it or not. And it's been up and down and it's been great and fun and and but i wasn't much of a father i wasn't ready to be a father i wasn't much of a father right well, fathers yeah. are fathers are different than i was with elijah so it's weird you know and yet when he wanted to start calling me bob it really offended me you know oh, when millennials goodness. they all started calling their parents by their name i was like way against it it was happening to all my friends they had like 20 something kids the all the all the um what was that club downtown the smell all the smell kids wanted to call their parents by their names and elijah started calling me bob and i was like you know what i don't like that 
I don't, you know, you, you call me Chuck, like you're not getting any money. <laughs> is that what you said <laughs> no but i would i would have they didn't they, they didn't, didn't try, they didn't try that tristan didn't no. try that with you no oh it's very no. popular in la it was very popular to call your parents by their real name or whatever and uh and so oh. I, I just didn't like it but then i don't feel like a daddy I, I feel like i don't know my relationship with elijah is complicated and cool and weird and um, but I did get teared up last night because he because he shared and very I was very surprised by his sharing. It wasn't about the people that gave him a cake. It wasn't about like surface level bullshit. It was about for you know forgiveness. It was about amends. It was about you know taking so long to realize the most basic simple shit like you're alcoholic and you need to stop drinking. Um, it was about being too smart for AA. It was just beautiful. It's beautiful. Because I know See, when you give somebody a cake, when I, when you give somebody a cake, you expect them to thank all the people. You know how they do it at Third and Gardner Mike. By the time they thank, if you get a cake given to you by six people, by the time they thank all the six people, the bell rings. Like, what the fuck was the point of that? Say something important. Say something about sobriety. It's Say something, something you've that, learned. Yeah, 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 and he and he what? did that, and it was magnificent. And you're talking about his little sister and little brother, and his dad and his son and his wife gave him a cake, and he didn't even mention it. He said thanks for my family, and and then he got into AA shit, and it was beautiful. It oh, was really he cool. Shared solution. It sounds like he gets it. Uh, there is yeah. hope for AA. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious because he he shared solution. You know, and, and that's. But there was another part of the meeting check out. You know, this is the first physical meeting I've been to in probably a year, really. I do the Zoom meetings, so um because you don't have to leave your house. Uh uh so there's the seat saving, it's a big seat saving thing. Any cake meeting's a big seat saving, right? Get a hoy saving um, a seat, get a hoy. Yeah, he goes over there a half hour early. I just I think that's you know. So so wag and Hoyer's sitting in this other section. I'm sitting in chairs behind him that are being saved, but nobody's there. You got the media on start. This old dude comes up and goes, and, and um, Sydney is sitting in one of the saved seats. A seven-year-old little girl. This grumpy, gross fucking AA guy comes over and goes, uh, these <laughs> seats are saved. I just looked at him like, dude, what? I went trying to punch him in the face because I'm angry over what's going on in my life. But I just like, so all I said was, it's a seven-year-old little girl, dude, and the meeting doesn't start for 10 more minutes. And then I looked around like there's nobody coming to sit down. Of course, if somebody's coming to sit down, like mm -hmm. it's just people like that that just, just irritate the fuck out of me. Like, dude, yeah. if it if it's the bell is ringing and the meeting is starting and we're sitting in reserved seats, that by the way, there's nothing in it that said like there wasn't anything on the chair, right? Yeah, there's, they put they put napkins on the chairs, Mike. This isn't the brain trust of America. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Chris Hoy put business cards from the poor restaurant we ate at. They don't have any more business cards. He just took their whole stack <laughs> of cards. The poor restaurant's not going to have any business cards they have now because they're being used as seat savers at the AA birthday meeting. But anyways, it was <laughs> it was fun. But Sydney was paying strict attention and she was she understood at seven years old what it is huh. she said so nobody here drinks or takes drugs and i said well some of them do once in a while 
<laughs> not all right? of them are sober. Not all of them are sober. That's a fact. <laughs> but uh, it is weird. Because, um, uh, uh, you know, Elvis looks really old. Like, he's 12, going to be 13 in two weeks. He looks like 17 years old. So somebody asked him how how long he's sober. <laughs> <laughs> 12 years he's got 12, 12 years, years. <laughs> he should have taken a cake <laughs> he should have taken a cake oh my god <laughs> that's how about the fact that i can drop him off at a movie theater and go to so i was all nervous he wanted to see some r-rated movie and uh i was like well uh what was it that he wanted to see i forget so we drove him me and said drove him to the meeting i mean to the movie and then I thought I was just parking in the front and I'll run in and buy the ticket for him. He goes, where are you going? And I go, well, it's R-rated. I'm going to probably have to buy the ticket for you. And he goes, no, you don't. And he just walked <laughs> <laughs> He's funny. 12 years old and he just walks up and buys R-rated movie tickets. And they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's now all that shit's changed. You know, that, do that's they not? That they don't me. even... Then why do no. they have a rating system if they're letting twelve-year-olds see R-rated movies? I think I think it's recommended. <laughs> R stands for recommended. They be seventeen. <laughs> is that what it is? They I have no it? idea. But I just know that they don't. It's it's one of those things they don't enforce. Dude, because there was the one, kid has my, a cell one phone. of my one, one of my thing. favorite movies as a teenager. Well, probably I was like thirteen. Was a movie called Night Moves with Gene Hackman. And um, uh, Melanie Griffith was in it and had a scene where, you know, a 13 year old boy would want to go. I went and saw the movie like nine times. I always had to buy tickets to like the sting and walk I'm across the quad. It was a theater called the Marinian Quad. It was four theaters and they had each, it was like second, you know, later runs of movies. So there was like eight movies playing. It was like The Sting and something else. But that was the one R-rated movie. It used to be like, like Fort Knox to get into an and they'd watch movie. It. They would they would watch the doors and they would check your stubs too. Huh? Yeah. And you had to time it. You had to time it. You had to be at the sting. You had to act like you're walking in the bathroom. Then you like look back and then just run to the door of the R-rated movie. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. Um, no. no, that that that's <laughs> funny. You said what you said what Sid said. Cracked me up. Um Amy Amy was somewhere with Bug and someone asked Bug what his dad did. He goes, he helps people get off drugs and if they're sad, he sings them a song. Oh, <laughs> I thought perfect. that was a perfect. I, I, I was just like, what? Okay, that works. She asked, me how, she asked me how and I said, well, the real dirty little secret of it all, Sid, is the, real, the person really does it themselves and we just try to be there. We but, help them. Yeah. We assist yeah. them in the process. Is really but all we can ever do. So addiction is in my house. It's a big subject, and it's a, my kids know about it. And for you at home, like you want to know when your grandkids should know or when your kids should know. Right now, they should know about addiction. Yeah, twelve-year-old Twelve kids are dying from <clears throat> fentanyl-laced volume overdoses. The first I met a mother. It's pretty much she swears and pretty much sounds true. It was the first time her son had ever taken drugs and he oh died. God. Right? Oh, Think terrible. about that. It's so whatever age they are, 7, 12, 10, 14, you know, 
we need to start talking about drugs all the time and addiction and solutions and have an open mind and whatever. But unless we start changing the way we do things, we're just going to keep getting more of the same. And somebody said, I was very, you know, I'm very encouraged by what the numbers look like, you know, and especially in LA County uh, about the fentanyl and the, and the heroin over the opiate overdose death rate. And somebody said, and I'm so stupid. I never, I'm always optimistically stupid. That's my blind spot is I always think things are going to get better. And somebody said, there's probably something coming that's worse than fentanyl. Oh, come on. We don't need to do these days stuff. I know, but did you ever know that? I've known there's fentanyl for fucking 20 years. I used to know this woman that used to suck on lollipops and then, uh, you know, and people used to cut the patches and, you know, and I I know it's, it's been around forever. No, I never in a million years thought, oh yeah, fentanyl is going to be the most consumed drug in America. No, I, 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 Amy shared a thing with me the other day that showed the, the rise of stimulant use methamphetamine in particular Oh, I'm well aware with, of that rise. <laughs> right, right. So, but that's helping with the fentanyl overdoses, apparently. But, like, I was watching, you ever watch America's Toughest Prisons? You ever see that show? Yeah. On Netflix? Dude was in uh, Finland, and the number one smuggled drug into prison is Subutex. I wonder why that is. Because they, they, they like the way they feel on it. Oh, I, I never liked the way I felt on it. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, but, but it's just one of those things where I, I don't know. I don't know what drives it. I certainly hope. I certainly hope that people are, are catching on. I think this last group of people that just didn't really seem to give a fuck are starting to give a fuck. I see a lot more people wanting to, to quit where I didn't see that four years ago, five years ago. Well, uh, yeah, but the, four or five years ago, they were just treating their insurance card like a Motel Six credit card. Well, they can't do that anymore. They can't insurance do that is anymore. Being a dick again. So no, but I'm I'm not being hundred percent positive on your statement. What I'm saying is they don't have access to care the way they did, and to disrespect care, right? Yeah. So a lot of them are sc- scammering around, right? But the two people I know that got sober. Um, that I never thought would get sober. Both OD'd and were in comas. Maybe that's, uh, you know, I keep thinking about that. Like, like in a society where we don't even arrest people for possession of drugs or under the influence of drugs or whatever, um, how are we going to get to a place? Because what the two people in comas did, they were in comas, one for like a month, one for like two months. People need, addicts need adult timeouts, Chuck. We all know this. They is that what a adult, coma is? <laughs> adult, adult, a coma is the new version of LA County Jail, my friend, is what I'm saying. Wow. I got, I, I, heavy. I, well, I call it adult timeouts, right? Some people, once they go to, you know, I, I went to Hazelden, once you go to Minnesota to go to treatment, they're just going to stay there till the treatment's over. Not me, but most people, right? Right. <laughs> um, I needed, a real adult timeout with no ability to walk across the uh, snow field to go to a bar. And that's what LA County jail did. Comas are doing that. 
I, I think at a certain point, can can we, here's something somebody said, should we get to a point where addicts, when they're at the moment of clarity, can can turn over their rights for 30 days? Arizona is looking at this, uh. right? That you are mandated, you cannot leave until 30 days is up, just like a jail sentence. Oh, that would be wonderful, but it would be I, Arizona. I see, Arizona's doing it. <clears throat> I already see the ACLU saying that they're not in the state of mind to be able to. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much. I don't know how much uh, popularity ACLU is in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're getting a lot of donations there. But, anyways, the point is that you need something. A moment of clarity needs to be followed by some safe, contained protected adult time accountable timeout and and, how, and that that's why i was wrong in that you can do that in a sober living and outpatient you can't you need to be somewhere without a phone and just fucking read a book you don't have to read the aa big book just read a book or or listen to music or something you need to be away for at least 30 days you just need to I've watched it with people, people that we yeah. bounce after 11 days because their insurance and they go to outpatient sober living. They do not get that ability to, to, I don't know, reconstitute. Because mm -hmm. it's just so irritating. You got to get up. You got to have breakfast. You got to go to the bathroom. And, you know, sober living. And I pointed this out. Like, you got 12 people living in a house with three bathrooms. How the fuck is everybody supposed to get ready and out to the van by 830? You'd have to get up at 4.30 in the morning if you want privacy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Just think about different. that. 12 people in a house with three bed bathrooms. How does everybody poop and take a shower? Because I have to do that right in a row, Chuck. I don't know if you know that. That That is a man mandate. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's my uh, standard procedure. Yeah, and it has night. to happen. And if it happens... If, if you know, I just Mike knows the rules. I have Bob rules that have been going on. <laughs> They've been going on for quite a while. <laughs> no more poop talk. I think we're done. And we're yeah. done. No. I but I, I but I I do believe that people need it. We need to look at containment away from the environment, not just integrated like sober living. It's just not gonna work. I, I don't think. We, we went where the insurance companies wanted us to go, and I think we fucked ourselves. Because now they're not going to turn around and go, oh, yeah, you need 30 days inpatient treatment. Yep, okay, sure, let's do that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Aren't no, you guys yeah, doing, aren't you doing detox only now? How long is somebody in your place <clears throat> for? Detox and RTC. Oh, How and long? Then they uh, to what's the length? What's the average length of stay? Length of 20, stay? 20 days? 21, 21 to 30 that's what they need. I'm telling you, that's what people need. I get, I, I've had, I've had well over half get to the 30 day mark and, and they're not allowed their phones the whole time they're there. Yeah. Fuck the phones. I, I don't think any of us should be allowed the phones. Fuck the phones. I'm so sick of phones. I'm so sick of arguing about phones. I'm so sick of telling kids to get off their phones. I can't even, you know, it's just, it's just phones are ridiculous. We'll do that next week. Phones, like it's a, it's a okay. whole. I think they're more addictive than heroin. Maybe not more addictive than fentanyl, but more addictive than heroin. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> All right. Well, where'd Mike go? I'm right here. Yeah. There he is. Yeah. Do all three. I I'm think we should Mike do away Mark. with cars and go back to horse and buggy. Mike, do all three of your girls have phones? Of course they do. I don't bug them about them at all. They live on them. I don't care. Go ahead. You know what? So we do have, Bob, we do have some rules like, okay, if we're out to dinner or if we're at the dinner table or whatever, I was like, okay, phones go away you know you guys are not going to sit on your phones at dinner and uh, we're going to talk and blah you know it's family time so there are some rules sometimes they get put away sometimes they just like to be on them i don't know they, they i just say please i'm i say please can you get off your phone right now i'm talking to you because like, you, you'll be having a conversation with your kid and they'll be looking at their phone and they act like they're listening but they're not like, no way <laughs> right yep yeah, I mean, uh, anyway, I mean, you can, you, I mean, you can fight it, or you can just go. Okay, they're going to grow out of it, and if you, and if you don't, if you just allow it, they're going to be like, <laughs> this is boring. In fact, my oldest daughter's like, you know, it's boring being on her phone. She does like, by she's only nineteen right now, but she's already doing stuff outside, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with her phone. You know, she's not on it as much as the others. And the others will grow up and grow out of they'll get sick of fucking looking at the stupid little screen. Do you know I don't know. Oh uh, yeah. TikTok TikTok is uh -huh. very addictive. You can Bob, go down do rabbit hole. Do you know that they were saying the same thing about television? No, they weren't. In you, yes, you, they make, were. you make up shit. No. No, they weren't. <laughs> television television is a one way street. The idiot box, all of these things, they were all, it was always a concern for parents. You know, you watch too much TV, cartoons, blah, blah, blah. Get off of the TV. You can't watch TV now. TV time is only an hour. You know, mm. shit like that. I mean, there was all kinds of that shit. When I was a kid, of course, I'm old, but you didn't have yeah, it. Yeah, but, but the big it, difference is it was, it was that old phrase, campfire TV where we were all watching the same thing at the same time. And it was a shared experience. Personal yeah. screens are isolating. It doesn't uh, matter. It, it, it was it, something that you stared at. No, it, it was something you, that it was something that taught you moral lessons every in 30 minutes in uh, one hour. There's nothing. Uh, more powerful, there's nothing more powerful than, than television as a teaching tool. I don't think TikTok is not that Mike. It's Herc. not that. Remember that cartoon? Herc. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to. Here's, I'm not going to get angry, Chuck. I'm going to say, well, we'll just have to agree to disagree. Oh, oh that's isn't really... cute. <laughs> not buying it. <laughs> I hopefully they go. You know what? There was a time when everybody was on their phones all day, and their kids are going to go, "Oh, how boring." And yeah, but we have to give happens. them an alt. We have to give them an alternative, and there's not a lot of alternatives. Well, right. not, if, not if they're watching TV. They'll be too scared to go outside. Yeah. Well, anyways, I, I just, you know, it has this 2023. When is it over? I, this sucked. This year sucked. I don't know. Uh, you know. Uh, it didn't it, suck, it, though. It, My grandson was born in 2023. I shouldn't say that. But other than that, it sucks. <laughs> you know, it, it, I'm just sad that the pandemic didn't make us better people. Oh, 
You know that I was talking to somebody, some people have never come back out of their houses. Did you know that? That's going to be a phenomenon that people just work from home and they don't leave their house and they get their food delivered. And there's, <laughs> there's hundreds of thousands of Americans that just never came back out of their houses. Sounds like a perfect world to me. <laughs> oh, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. All right. Well, I can't wait to see you guys. Love in a couple to weeks. all. Yeah. Hey, you know, the best time was in was during the pandemic when there was no traffic. It was, I was out. Oh, was good. Like, fuck, I never, crazy. can I just say, I never adhered to any of that. I fucking went wherever I wanted. Oh whenever my God, I wanted. the freeways were clear. Jesus. Everybody was scared and stayed away from you. It was fucking yeah. utopia. <laughs> you know, I didn't get a day off. You know, people forget it was just like two and a half years ago. Like, we're never going to, people kept saying, we're never going to go to concerts again. I was like, as soon as these idiots start realizing this is, you know, not what it seems to be, um, we're going to be going back to concerts. And now we're back to concerts and people forget that they thought like that. Right? Oh, I've been trying to get to see everything I can. I appreciate it. I'm going to go see Metallica soon, and I'm going to go see the Pretenders. Morrison tomorrow night. Ah, the Greek? Yeah. He's playing the Santa Barbara Bowl tonight. Too far of a drive for a little Bobby. But, um, (laughs) but, no, I went and saw this thing with Elvis Lafey, Lofey, L-A-U-F-E-Y. This is a girl that sounds, a woman, that sounds, she's 24. She sounds exactly like Ella Fitzgerald, great, uh, like, show tune, jazz, uh, Billie Holiday. And the lyrics are all Gen Z lyrics. It's the weirdest fucking thing you've ever Mm. seen in your life. You got, and she played with the LA Philharmonic. All the songs sound like, you know, our love is here to stay or a Gershwin song or whatever. And the like lyrics are, and the lyrics are all Gen Z and millennial kind of words. And it's just like, ah, it was amazing. This woman, this girl is amazing. And she plays, here's, here's another thing. What the future is, Chuck. I know that, you know, Mike can play guitar pretty well. I'm assuming you can play. All right. I can sing. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Mike can sing pretty damn good, man. What are you talking about? Anyways, this girl must have been in music school since she was three. She plays cello. She can play in an orchestra cello. She can play piano fronting the L.A. Philharmonic. And she plays guitar and she sings like Ella Fitzgerald. And she's a 24-year-old Chinese native uh, origin who was born in Iceland. That is the future. Cello. She's like a female yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, she's like a female. Sign off. This is getting good. Everybody's so fucking tired. Good night. God damn it. Good night. L-A-U-F-E-Y. You got to check her out. Bye. All right. Don't. Bye. Good night, guys. Uh, die if you want to. Die yeah, if you ahead. want to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, though. All right. Bye. Bye.